I am on a mission to strengthen, empower, and inspire caregivers to keep going, keep pushing, keep loving, and by all means to keep caring. Thank you for tuning in to season three of the My Favorite Girl Caregivers Corner Podcast. I am your host, Priscilla Jean-Louis. Hey, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get a notification when the next episode drops. And we're back with episode two of season three of the My Favorite Girl Caregivers Corner podcast, where we bring inspiration, education, resources, hope, and strength to caregivers so you can keep going, keep pushing, keep loving, and by all means, keep caring. And before I go any further, I want to ask you to take a moment now, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform that you are listening on. Then after you get done with that, go ahead and send it out to your family and friends, especially those who you know that are caregivers. Uh, I am truly excited and elated to have my guest on the podcast with me this episode. Uh, Just a little bit of background. She was born in the city by the Bay, San Francisco, grew up in Bayview Hunters Point, which was a predominantly black community. After graduating from San Francisco State University, majoring in mass communications with an emphasis in writing for television and film, she relocated to Los Angeles and began climbing the industry ladder. Success was indeed the reward as she quickly moved up and wrote a couple episodes on a Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's hit sitcom, All of Us. She also worked on several other sitcoms at various capacities, including One on One, starring Flex Alexander and Kyla Pratt. I remember that. I used to watch that show. Uh, Second Time Around, starring Nicole Ari Parker and Boris Kojo. Y'all know Boris. And uh, Jess Jordan, which is a Nickelodeon show. And while honoring her skills, she was abruptly met with a responsibility that cultivated into a passion with a purpose. I'm going to allow her to talk about that more as we go along, but that this time, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Miss Asanity Foster. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Okay, so it's Asante. The first I is silent. There it is, Asante. Y'all saw how I jacked it <laughs> up real quick, but that's her name, Asante <laughs> Foster. Thank you so very much. And Asante and I met a couple months ago. We uh, were on a webinar together with the Alzheimer's Association and just, you know, clicked immediately, just having some conversations in regards to our caregiver journey and just the things that we were talking about on that webinar. And so during that particular conversation, I talked with her then and said, hey, I'm going to have you on my podcast. And she immediately agreed. And so it is she that is joining me on today. And so we're just going to go ahead and kick right into the conversation. Um, Just like we stated in your bio, you were in Hollywood working with some big names. I love me some Will Smith. I understand, you know, things happened over the last year with Will, but I still love me some Will Smith and, and Jada and all of them. And so you're doing your thing in the industry, working with these big names in Hollywood and then abruptly life kind of shifted for you. So walk us through that journey, if you will. 
Absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and share my story and hope that, you know, someone can relate to it and know that they are not alone. Um, so, yeah, I'm in Hollywood and, you know, Hollywood has the highs and the lows. And um, I had this huge deal on the table. I'm talking about like block money, not buying new bags. I'm talking about buying new blocks. And all of a sudden, it literally just dissolved in my hands. And I was spearheading this project. And it was, poof. And I was devastated. And that was like my last shining light that I had because I had so many other experiences that, you know, traumatized me. You know, my daughter's father died on Christmas Day from a motorcycle accident. Then both my grandmothers died from Alzheimer's back to back. So, like, I was holding on to this Hollywood hope, right? This, this big deal. And then, yeah, poof, right? Like, caught me just by surprise. I'm down and out. And I received a call to help a great aunt of mine who was suffering from Alzheimer's at the time. And I'm like, the last time I saw her, she was fine. But okay, yeah, help her. Like, I, I have nothing else. And I really liked and loved, you know, this great aunt. Yeah. So I'm helping her. And I felt so good. Remind you, I'm feeling like crap, though, you know, prior to helping her because I had lost everything and I'm helping yeah. her. But then I'm also listening to her repeat herself over and over. And I'm like, wait a minute. Both my grandparents, other great aunts. I'm like looking at my family tree on both sides, you know, connecting all of these dots. And I'm like, wait a minute. Can I get this? Can my daughter get this? You know, so the more I kept helping her, I also started researching this a lot more. Like, okay, what is this disease? Because when both my grandmothers were diagnosed, you know, years ago, it was like, okay, I'm growing up with Alzheimer's, right? Okay, yeah. both my grandmothers, this must be natural and normal because of the, you know, bookends of life, you know, but like the, they are the matriarchs, you know, of the family. They both have this. So, yeah, this is normal. This is. Okay. So what's supposed to happen? That's what we exactly. exactly, exactly. And but then when my great aunt was diagnosed and I started helping her and I then I started doing research, I'm like, no, that's not supposed to happen. No, wait, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And um, I can remember the day when I found out that women are more likely than men to have Alzheimer's and African-American women, we are twice as likely to have it than the national mm -hmm. average. And I was so upset. I was like, somebody needs to do something about this. Who, who can do something about this? And this is going to sound beyond corny or weird or whatever word you want to use, but I literally heard you could do something about it. And I was just about to say that. You. Right. And I'm like, what can I do about it? I'm like down and out right now. I don't have anything. I don't have any money. Like, I just don't have access to any. I'm trying to pull myself up out of a ditch. What, how, what can I do with Alzheimer's, like this global disease? And because I have an entertainment background and more so behind the scenes, it came to me that I could actually produce a documentary about it. And so I'm like, okay, I could do that. But with what money? Right. And what supplies and what like what am I how am I supposed to do this? And then my daughter runs in my room with her um her cell phone and she's like, Oh, look at this cool edit I just did. And this was like a really cool edit. And at the time she was. Oh my God, she, so she might've been like eight or nine then. And I'm like, you did that? She's like, yeah. And it, it, again, here's this voice. There's your co-producer and there's your camera. I'm like, cell phone? All right. 
And so we set off on this journey to produce, you know, an Alzheimer's awareness documentary titled Puzzled, focusing on um, every, you know, it's, it's for everyone, but the focus is on women with a highlight on African-American women and people under the age of 65, because what people don't realize is Right, right. But 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 not even in addition to that, by the time you've been diagnosed over 65, you really had it. Scientifically proven, you really had it 20, what is it, 10, 20, 20 years. Right. 15 to 20 years prior. Right. Prior. So why are we waiting to talk about this when we retire and sit down when we could do something about that now? Well, what does that look like? That looks like mental health. Right. Stress, depression, anxiety, lack of sleep, lack of physical activity, lack of the sun. Right. Vitamin D, not drinking water, not having positive influence. I mean, there's a laundry list of risk factors that we can actually reduce prior to any type of diagnosis to in hopes to derail it. Right. Yeah. To, to prevent it from happening you know, to you as best as you can. And, and it's always amazing to me how the things that happen to us in life, they seem like, you know, this is the end of it all. Like, man, you know, you lose everything. And, and all of the things that you go through to get to this point where you realize that, man, this is really my, my passion. This is my heart right here. And to be able to be on the top where, you know, you're on the top of your game doing what you're doing, about to make another deal. And, you know, this happens for it to all come full circle for you to now realize that, you know what? Would you have really been happier doing the other thing that you were doing as opposed to where you found your passion? Right. You know? And so that's what we, we have to consider as well, even as we're going through, because I will tell you, if anybody would have told me that I would be in the position that I am right now, you know, being a caregiver, 48 years old, um, going on seven years of it. And nobody would have ever told me I've been at this place in my life. But just like you, uh, being thrust into it, you know, making the choice, not really being thrust into it uh, on the level like that, but just making that decision to say, you know what, my mom needs care. I'm here. I'm going to make it happen. And it turned into that passion. And, you know, even as you're speaking, you're talking about who can do it? You. How do we do it? Just like we're doing right now, telling our story, mm -hmm. sharing our story, making a difference one life at a time. You know, I don't know how many people will hear this podcast, but, you know, if it's one, if it's a hundred, if it's a thousand, guess what? We have done our part in helping to get the word out there. And so, you know, kudos to you for even taking on that challenge. But, you know, you have your aunt, you have, you know, your grandparents. I think right now we talked about it. You're now caring for your grandfather. Right. So I was caring for my grandmother, my my great aunt, and then also researching for the documentary. Right. Which was working, you know, together because the more that I knew about the disease, the more I knew how to help her and to care for her and what to really be mindful of. Like I was really like self-educating, but also, you know, preparing for this project. And then the pandemic hits, right? Oh my God, mental meltdown for everybody globally. So I no longer had access to her because she was in an assisted living facility, right? Okay. So they were really like no one in, which, you know, on one hand was difficult, but at the other hand it was like, okay, she's safe, right? 
And then I get a call that my grandfather had been diagnosed. This is like the middle of the pandemic now because this was like summer. I'm like, what? Like, no, I talk with him on a regular basis, right? But, you know, we can miss the signs, especially right. when it's early on. And so um, th there was no hesitation. I'm there. Now he's in San Francisco, right? And I go to San Francisco often. So it wasn't like I'm going back to some place that I, you know, don't regularly visit. I go back and yeah, he has Alzheimer's, but it was, you know, very early on at first, you know, so you really would not know unless you really paid attention and had done your research. Right. It's the documentary, right? So I'm like, okay, this research is starting to come in handy. And um, my daughter and I now, we actually fly back and forth every couple of weeks. We stay there for a week and a half, two weeks. And then we come back to LA. We stay for a couple of weeks. We go back up there, stay for a couple of weeks. And, you know, a lot of times when I share that story with people, the first reaction is like, oh, this must be so hard. And, oh, I know that's taxing. And it is like, it's like, no, that's not the energy that I'm giving right now. I'm not telling a sad story. I'm not singing a sad song, right? Now, one time have I been like, yeah, you know, I'm flying back up and I hated it so hard. You did not hear that come out of my mouth. What I said was, that is what I'm doing. And I actually enjoy it. You know, sometimes I don't even unpack. I mean, I wash everything before I yeah. leave, you know, in both places. And I'm like, okay, I can wear the same thing. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm going to the club. Right? Yeah. I'm waking up and I'm cooking and I'm cleaning. I'm caring for him. him. Yeah. So I'm not trying to be, you know, dawed up, you know, just very easy, comfortable clothes. Um, and then my daughter is also there. She's now 13 and has been doing this. She's um, online school. We stayed. Okay. That's what I was about to say. Is she homeschooled? Or she, so she does everything virtually. Yes. So that's yes. very convenient. It is. And, and fortunately, she was a student who excelled online. Now, had I known that all she needed to do was be online, I would have never spent all that money on private school. <laughs> because my daughter did. did the same thing. My, mm -hmm. my daughter was home, you know, the entire year that mm -hmm. they were out for uh, with, with COVID. Now, mm -hmm. she's always been straight A student, but she actually thrived even more online. She missed the environment of school and her friends and what have you. But I mean, every nine weeks, I'm talking about almost straight 100s in every class. And these are honors classes. So, you know, for some of them, they do well. And so that situation just happens to work really well. If she's doing online, you can go back and forth. Um, shoot, that's pretty good. <laughs> exactly. It worked out. And we we actually had um, in-person challenges in school. Okay. You know, academically, socially, it was just, you know, I was always up there. And, you know, like a parent, right? Because I'm a very super active. Don't I don't play with people, kids. Don't play with mine. Right. <laughs> I make that known everywhere I go. Um but when she got online, it was just a lot more focused. Okay. You know, and even when I was traveling between Los Angeles and San Francisco, she's still very focused. I could just see her maturing in different areas. Now, she does have after school programs, you know, that requires her to be in person. She plays the French horn. She's actually been doing that for about four years now because she was doing it prior to the pandemic in person. So she's in person with that. And then she's also in a drama class. You know, and they just performed the Annie musical um, in Los Angeles. So she's, you know, I still have her socially involved, right? Because I don't want her to get 
burnt out behind this at such a young age? Because we do know that caregivers, right. right, we also increase our risk. And I'm not trying to increase my daughter risk at 13. Right. And, and that's very important. That's the one thing. Um, my daughter was 10, 11 when we started. And it was very, and still now, very important to me that she didn't get you know, overwhelmed with Karen, very much, you know, helpful, wants to help with everything, does as much as she can. I'm constantly telling her, thank you. But it was very important to me that she did not feel overwhelmed or get overwhelmed. I wanted her to continue to be active in all of her extracurricular. And trust me, there are a lot of them <laughs> that she does. Um, she has her own nonprofit all of that is making sure that she can still do her own thing, but then at the same time, understand what it means to be able to care for somebody else. And I didn't have a hard time with that because she's always been that child who has just loved to love people. She's always gravitated to helping everybody. But that is something that I think is very important that they get to experience it as much as they can. I'm always grateful and I, I'm forever telling God, thank you to be able to have a teenager who doesn't mind helping to care. That alone is just, you know, a blessing because mm -hmm. never complains, never. I mean, will always just mommy, what can I do when, when she realizes that I'm a little overwhelmed or tired She'll tell me, mom, won't you go lay down? I, I, I got granny. And at one point I had my mom and my grandmother that we were caring for mm -hmm. simultaneously in the same house. Um, matter of fact, my grandmother passed away January 29th of last year. So we're coming up on a year anniversary. And um, I mean, two of them at one time, both of them with Alzheimer's. My grandmother mm -hmm. was 98 um, when she passed away. But, you know, she was with us for almost four years. And so... Mm -hmm. It's very important, you know, even for those that are listening out there that have children, you know, it, it's okay for them to care, but then we have to also make sure that they don't get lost mm -hmm. in the caring because, you know, they have lives. And, and the other thing that was important to me, I didn't ever want her to feel like, um, you know, she couldn't do something or couldn't. Uh, go somewhere because of the responsibility that I took on mm -hmm. caring for my mom. So I made sure, you know, there was a point where she was in color guard with the band. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wanted to be present and make sure that she sees me because I didn't want her to ever feel like, well, you couldn't be there for me because of this. And, you know, sometimes people, they can, you know, grow some type of bitterness and you know, about that. And so I never wanted that. Not that I don't think I ever would have had to worry about that, but didn't even want to chance it. And so what I would do, I would literally have somebody to come over on Friday night. I would wait until about time that I thought it was halftime. I would get out to the game and had to pay to get in. I would pay to get in, uh, go out there, watch her perform, and leave right after. Mm -hmm. I don't have to feel and everything with my camera recording, mm -hmm. taking pictures, because I wanted her to understand that as important as Granny is to me, so are you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and that's where we get into. And I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, when we talked about it, you said that you actually have copyrighted that term sandwich generation. 
trademark sandwich. Trademark. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Everybody uses it. Right. Right. You know, and it's, it's interesting because I, when I think about doing that, for one, I think about how Alzheimer's is one of the most expensive diseases in the world. Right. Ooh, tell me about it. And African-American women are twice as likely to have that than the national average. Right. It's like how much money is poured. Well, how much money is supposed to be poured into caregivers, right? We're not paid for this. This is something you do because you really, really care. Okay, there are different programs and services available, but are you really getting paid with your worth to what it is that you're doing? No. So at the end of the day, for me, trademarking that was, okay, wait a second. This is something that could help me, you know, push my movement at the same time right just like alzheimer association is trademarked right yep. you, you can't just use that can't just use it right they own that so when are we as uh african-american women who are twice as likely to have this disease in the national average going to start owning some things within this alzheimer's community <clears throat> excuse me you know even with you with your podcast you own this yep you know, so, yeah. And as a sandwich caregiver, it's interesting because you mentioned how your daughter doesn't complain. And I don't know if you consider this a complaint, but my daughter compares. Okay. Know? She'll ask me something and then I may say no, or she'll ask again. And it's like, first of all, I'm doing something. So you're not even saying, excuse me, right? So I won't even respond, but she'll ask me something. And then I'll, like I said, I'll say no. And it's like, oh, but if it was Papa, you wouldn't have said no. <laughs> You can not compare yourself to a 41-year-old man who has Alzheimer's, who has lived his life. I, I think that's that manipulation tactic that children sometimes use on us, you know. But, hey, I, I'm like, at that age, they, they learn how to manipulate to get what they want. But I guarantee you what she's getting in helping to, you know, care of being there. I mean, especially now, you know, that that's the thing that's important to me as well in this day and age. The fact that you have so many people, especially our young people who they're so entitled mm -hmm. and they don't really care about anybody mm -hmm. or anything. A lot of them, not all, but a lot. They only care about themselves and what matters for them. And if it doesn't matter for them, who cares? You know, and so to have a daughter like yours. And one like mine who, you know, don't mind. I mean, to me, I, I cherish that on, mm -hmm. on a level that, you know, she's high, very, very high level. And I learned, you know, because sometimes, too, as parents, we can gain that mentality of thinking that, oh, they're supposed to do it. Right. And so I've learned that, no, it's this is not the norm. And so it takes away nothing from me as her parent to say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for helping me with grant. Right. I was doing it tonight because I was preparing for a podcast. And so she was out watching her while I was finishing up and, um, you know, she gave her dinner and, and all of that. And so I'm walking out to get something and I'm saying, thank you. You know, and she's always like, mom, you don't have to thank me. You know, it's just what I do, you know, but I'm like, no, thank you. You know, mm -hmm. because I don't want her to ever either feel, you know, taken advantage of, or, mm -hmm. you know, that she just had to, but I mean, that sandwich generation, there's quite a few of us, especially now, you know, because what we're looking at is 
as we talked about earlier, you have a lot of early onset um, Alzheimer's now. And you have a lot of people who are in that place now where they are, you know, as they're aging, the parents are aging. And the thing about it is people are living longer. Our older people are starting to live a lot longer. And so as they live longer, they develop Alzheimer's and other dementias. And so then you're left with us, you know, we're in our 40s, you know, some in their 50s who are now having to not only care for mom and dad or mom or dad, but then you also have this child who is also in the house. And so you're having to care, explain that, explain what the sandwich generation is. So for me, as a, as a sandwich caregiver, it is caring for two generations at the opposite ends of life. And we're right in the middle. Right. So my grandfather, 91 years old, who has Alzheimer's is at one end of it. And then my 13 year old who, you know, is just growing and developing and, you know, trying to get to where he is, you know, is at the, the opposite end. And then I'm right in the middle of all of that where it's like, oh, I've been there and done that where you are. And then here I am like, OK, but I haven't been there and done that where my grandfather is. You know, and for me, I feel like my situation is a little unique, not that this doesn't exist because I know that it does, but I feel like most caregivers who are women, they are caring for their mother, right? Or a grandmother, where I'm actually caring for a grandfather who's very traditional, you know, as my grandmother, my grandmother, as my daughter likes to call him a Jesus person. You know, in the church, in the Bible, believe in prayer. We say grace before everything, right? And so with him, there's, you know, some only so much that he will allow me to do. Like my cousin and I also share caregiving responsibilities. So when I'm not there, my cousin steps in and he and I just, oh my God, like do, in my opinion, we do a great job together because it's very common for especially family family members to not be able to work together. Yes, I'm not even going to talk about that today on this one. But. Right. So <laughs> it's a blessing, you know, to have him, my cousin Will, we really work well together. But like when my cousin is there, you know, he can actually go in and help bathe him, shower him. Right. My grandfather's not letting me do that. Yeah. You know, so I'm constantly at the door, listening in, making sure he's okay. You know, he's at the point now where it's interesting because I'll, you know, tell him to get in the shower. And um, he's like, oh, let's not go first. And then my daughter is like, I already took a shower, you know, so it's just interesting for me to be in the middle. I'm telling him to take one. He's telling her to take one. And she looking at me like I took one already. And I'm like, what is the dynamic is going on here? No, you need to take a shower. But with my cousin, you know, he may be able to say, come on, let me give you a shower. Okay. Right. So I have to use other tactics. Right. With him and getting him in the shower. And, you know, my daughter, for the most part, she'll just hop in. You know, I really don't have any issues with that. Um, Again, the comparison has been the biggest challenge as being a sandwich caregiver. In fact, my daughter does like these little skits after dinner in front of my grandfather and I, I'm like, please let me record these. Like we laugh so hard. We are crying. And she's not like imitating the good things about us. <laughs> she imitates all the bad things. Okay. Right. But we are having a great time. And so she did this one when she's like, this is how you talk to Papa. Hi, Papa. Hey, you want some water? 
Okay, let me get, I'll be right back. Let me, you want some lemon in it? You want some lime in it? Okay, let me, I will go get that for you. And she's like, but when it come to me and I'm like, mama wants some water, go get it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, that's not true. Second of all, that's not true, (laughs) you know? But to hear her interpretation of it, you know, is is interesting. Like, do you really think I do it like that? And I know she's over-exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, again, as a sandwich caregiver, sometimes I do talk with my grandfather differently from how I'm talking with my daughter. Yeah. And it's not to be nice or mean to one or the other. It's just like, okay, first of all, how many times have I told you to stop doing something that you keep doing? So by the time I tell you again to stop it doing sounds it. Sounds like that. Exactly. <laughs> but she's like, you wouldn't say it to Papa like that. I wouldn't have to say it but one time. And if I did right. have to repeat it, I would understand he has Alzheimer's. So there is right. a difference. So, so, it's so what phase is he in? Would you say is he's like early still or he he can still do for himself? I would say he's definitely starting to exit the early stage and into the middle stage because okay. yes, he can still toilet. He could still uh, feed himself. Um, he could still, you know, move around. When I first started caring for him, we could go to the park and walk forever or walk around the neighborhood. I mean, walk like almost half a mile, right? Just walking through the neighborhood. And now he's challenged with even walking down the stairs. You know, I really have to like, hey, Papa, go check the mail, you know, because it's downstairs, um, you know, like in the basement, the mail slide. And he's like, oh, I didn't get no mail today. I'm like, well, let's go see, you know. So that gets to be heartbreaking um, to see the, the slowing down and really just wanting to sit and sleep and, you know, nap all day. But then he's up all night. Oh, wow. Right. You know, and my thing is, okay, well, let me at least get you in your pajamas, right? Get you comfortable. Because I know if I push him and make him get in the bed, like I would my 13-year-old, he's going to, you know, resist that and become irritated and agitated. And so will my 13-year-old. But at the end of the day, you still under my guidance. Whereas my grandfather. You still get in the bed. Exactly. Or not. (laughs) Exactly. And I don't push that with him because you you earned it. So at least he's in his recliner. He'll have on the news, right? And I'll go and I'm constantly checking on him. It's at one o'clock in the morning. Papa, you ready to go get in the bed? Oh, I need to watch the 10 o'clock news. Okay. So you don't have to you don't have to be in there with him. Even if he's up all night, you don't have to be in there with him. He can sit up and and do what he's doing and see. Yeah, we we are totally different. My mom's in a more advanced stage. Mm. She's in the later stages. And so we uh, she can still feed herself to a certain degree. Um, You know, I affectionately I hope no one gets offended by this, but I affectionately call her my 80 year old, three year old. And what I mean by that is literally she's 80, but, you know, when it comes to eating, it's, it's literally like a three-year-old. It's going to be all over the table. It's going to be all over the floor. Um, No real knowledge anymore of utensils. Every now and again, I'll get to use them. So we're doing more finger foods, more things that she can pick up. Like rice is um, almost like a (laughs) no-no. Because it's going to end up all over her and everything else. But, you know, you think about the earlier stages and in the early going into middle and the heartbreak that's there. 
you know, for me, when you multiply that times, you know, I, I happen to come in on, on Sunday from church and um, I have a, a volunteer who's here with her during the day. And as I'm walking in, volunteers sit there both at the table and she's trying to get her to eat. And this was a, I mean, it happens periodically, but not on the level of where it was Sunday. So I pause, you know, as I'm coming in to try and get her to understand what is being meant by, you know, eat your food, you know, because typically, you know, if you put it in front of her, of course, we have to sit there with her while she's eating, but Mm -hmm. she can still, even if she picks it up with her hand, she will. But literally, I'm trying to explain to her, you know, eat your food. I even, she had some um, bananas, you know, with her breakfast, girl, I cut them up and I pick up one and give it to her like, Hey, you know, eat your, eat your banana. And she takes it out of my hand and she looks at me like, what am Mm. I supposed to do with this? You know, and it, I tried for maybe about five minutes to get her to just understand what I meant by eat your food. And it just wasn't happening because it just did not register to her what I meant by eat. Even though she was hungry, she didn't know. And even when I was trying to pick it up and feed it to her, she's like, no, I can't, I can't. And so, you know, that's heartbreak. You know, you and and you learn how to process it, right? If if I um, dealt with every one of those moments the way I could, I'll be sitting up in here in a straitjacket, right? You <laughs> and it's like, like no, no. And we're gonna get to the next part of this and what helps me. You know, um, just the fact that you do, you learn, and and I'm gonna uh, move over into what we are actually going to talk about a little bit more in detail, the puzzle 2020, the company and, and what that is, because when you talk about, you know, dementia and how it progresses, you know, for my mom, to me, it seemed like it progressed really quick. You know, it's, it's like you, you wake up one day and they're, they're a totally different person. And as it progresses and you're watching it day in and day out and, you know, um, something as simple for us as taking a bath, you know, I give her a bath, I do showers and baths, you know, I'll put her in the bath and showers are easier because mm-hmm. I, my shower is large enough that I actually just get over in there with her, have my clothes out, you know, strip down enough and get over in there with her and I can bathe her really quick. But then there are other times cause she likes baths. So I put her in the tub and you know, she's in there, I bathe her. And so then when it's time for her to get up and I'm telling her, okay, come on, let's get up, let's get out. She's clueless. And so most of the time it's taking me about five or 10 minutes just to get her to understand that you have to stand up and get out. And so, you know, it can be heartbreaking, but, you know, as we go into talking about puzzle 22, as we talk about that, that is the one thing that helps me. And so tell us about your company. You start this company, puzzle 2020. Um, Tell us about it. What is puzzle 2020? So Puzzle 2020 was birthed during the year of the pandemic, hence the 2020, right? We already have Puzzled as the title for the documentary focusing on, you know, 
Alzheimer's awareness, how to reduce your risk factors, right? We already talked about that. And what I didn't want to do was produce another problem, right? In my in my Oprah voice, right? You get Alzheimer's, you get Alzheimer's, everybody get Alzheimer's, right? Everybody. And now we're back into this state of panic and fear, which I definitely am not trying to present that. Um, but I, you know, the documentary does take you on a, um, a, a emotional roller coaster, and I wanted it to end with something positive, right? And so the more I kept researching this personally and professionally, now I discovered that writing down what you're grateful for significantly, scientifically, reduces stress, depression, and anxiety. It improves sleep patterns. It improves eating habits. It increases. Um, your sleep habits. I'm like, okay, these are all the things that we need to be doing to help reduce the risk factors of Alzheimer's and boost, boost our mental wellness. So, and I'm in the middle of all of it too, right? Experiencing this myself. So let me give this a try. And so my daughter and I started writing down what we we're grateful for in about 21, 30 days, right? Because now we formed a habit. I started to feel different. And I'm like, we didn't win the lotto around here. Why am I walking around here feeling so good like we did? Just being grateful. <laughs> exactly. And then it hit me like, oh, my God, we have to package this up. We have to put this out there. We have to sell this to be, you know, because if this can work for us, this can work for other people. Let's really, you know, like work on this. And it was at that moment while developing our gratitude bank and our gratitude journals. And let's see. It. I know yeah. I have one behind I'm gonna, me. I'm gonna have. I have mine. I ordered <laughs> mine, y'all. I got mine. So this is, and I've already started putting mine in here. But this is. I know those of you that are listening, you can't see this. So I'm gonna invite you to go to the um, go to YouTube, check out the video from this podcast, and. Um, yeah, you can go on Amazon and get yours too. You can find it if you type in on Amazon Puzzled 2020 Gratitude Attitude Journal with meditation music. And I tried it. There is a there's a QR code on here, y'all. And you scan it on your phone and it pulls up some nice meditation music. And so while you're thinking about what you're grateful for, you can listen to some great music. But this is what it is. So again, if you're listening on one of the other platforms, go over to YouTube, my favorite girl caregivers corner podcast on YouTube, and you can actually see, or just go ahead and go on Amazon and type in puzzled P U Z Z L E D 2020 gratitude. And that's the number two zero two zero gratitude attitude journal with meditation music. Uh, there's a journal as well as the um, bank. I have my journal. Nice. And on the back of the journal, there's also a QR code that you can scan and get that wonderful music. And so both of them say gratitude is attitude. Right, right. That was important. I mean, we're so quick to say, oh, such and such got a nasty attitude, you know, such and such got a bad attitude or even a good attitude. Right. And so for me, in two words, it just makes sense. You know, have a gratitude attitude, walk around with that type of attitude all day. And I promise you, you know, I actually before we really pushed it all the way out on the market, of course, as a sandwich caregiver, I, you know, I was using it. My daughter was using it. And so I saw how effective it was for us. But then I also have my grandfather use it, 
Okay. You know, and I do see a difference. Now, is he going to start running a mile tomorrow because he's writing down what he's grateful for? No. But is he exercising neuroplasticity? Right. Kind of, you know, as much as he possibly can at 91 with Alzheimer's palliative care. You know, is is he still doing something to stay with us? Absolutely. I don't sit him in front of a TV all day. Um, In fact, he doesn't really go in to watch, you know, TV until well after the sun has set. So let's say maybe eight or nine. You know, yes, he'll watch the 10 o'clock news and then he's up until maybe, you know two or three in the morning sometimes. But, you know, again, I pick and choose my battles, right? He eats everything that I give him, never, ever complains about it. Um, you know, he will, after a couple of, you know, pushes and pulls, you know, walk downstairs to go get his mail and he will write down what he's grateful for. So the fact that he's still doing something to stay here with us, I was like, okay, this is definitely an intergenerational product. So it works well with kids. It works well with us in our middle age, that sandwich generation. Mm -hmm. And then it also works well for people who have Alzheimer's. Yeah. And there's just something about being grateful. Yes. Uh, I I often tell people, even with me and caring for me, and it's me life in general, but perspective is everything. Absolutely. It's everything. And so... You know, I focus on not what's lost, Mm -hmm. but what remains. How do I strengthen the part that remains? I've lost enough. You know, my mom, she doesn't even recognize me as her Mm. daughter. You know, she knows my name now. If she knows nobody else in this world's name, (laughs) she knows mine. No, a baby. She calls it all day long. She just does not connect it with me being her daughter. And so, you know, that's a loss, right? But one of the things that keeps me, even in those moments where I do feel overwhelmed or I feel, you know, heavy, one thing that my mom does on a regular basis, now she has her moments where she is what I call Miss Vera. She (laughs) is Miss Vera and she has her moments. But one thing that she does consistently, she always says, thank you. And sometimes it seems like that thank you comes at just the moment that I need it. But, you know, you're putting her in bed. I gave her a bath last night, getting her in bed. And she turns over and she said, thank you so much. You know, or I'm putting on her clothes and she'll say, thank you so much for taking care of me. You know, and so she may not remember many things, but she remembers how to say thank you. She tells me how much she loves me. And so even though she doesn't recognize me as her daughter, what she does recognize is love. And so I don't care what's going on in my house. I work from home. Um, And so if I walk out of my room during the day, the day, it's like everything becomes all right in her world. And she's like, oh, almost like you here. And then she wants to follow me. Sometimes she'll just walk up and and give me a hug. And so those are the things that you learn to strengthen, you know, in the midst of it all. And so being thankful, I, I try my best to just, God, I thank you, you know, and, and it is that gratitude really is attitude and it will move you just out of my faith background. 
You know, I'm probably one of them people that your daughter would call the Jesus person, right? <laughs> I, I am one proudly. And so <laughs> what I've learned is to just be thankful. You know, you why not? Because here's the situation. Here's the thing. You can't change anything that has happened. Right. And so be thankful for, you know, the part that you can. You know, that's where that serenity prayer comes in. You know, we people talk about it all the time. That serenity. Give me the wisdom to know the difference between the things that I can change mm -hmm. and the things I can't. And mm -hmm. so you learn how to, hey, listen, the other day I'm writing down because my mom had a couple of days where she was up you know, over the last week and a half, she was up almost all night long. And so I'm writing down in my gratitude bank. God, I thank you that she slept last night. You know, you have to flip it. Mm -hmm. Okay, Thank you that she didn't have an attitude. Um, thank you that she made it to the restroom. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you can just turn around and say, thank you for. Mm -hmm. Thank you that, you know, I have a daughter. Who doesn't mind? I mean, there's so much. And you do. You feel better when you start to just write it down. And I think that this is probably the neatest thing that I've seen. Um, and it and it comes with the little gratitude sheets that you and it, it has on here already. Starting you off, I am grateful for. You don't ever have to write that down. Just finish it off. What are you grateful for? It could be one thing. It could be 10, but you... Got the little sheets of paper and the pen. It doesn't get better than that. It gets no better than that. And you write it down and you just stick it in here. And when you fill it up, you can order some more refills or you can just get you some paper of your own and just continue to write. But it does. It works on your mentality, your, your mental health. And it's everything. You know, I mean... I'm going to go backwards a little bit because I do want to touch on this a little bit before we get off. I know when we uh, were on the webinar having the conversation, um, the other young lady that was on there with us, we were all kind of talking about, um, you know, just basically because your belief, which, you know, great belief and I, you know, but your belief is that everybody should get a checkup from the neck up. That's, that's the, quote that I put on there. Check up from the neck up. Yes, absolutely. And so yeah. check up from, I go every year and I get a physical exam. And so your belief is just like you get that physical exam, you get that neuro exam. Check absolutely. your out. Absolutely. Especially African-American women. I mean, everybody, right? And I'm saying, especially us, because we are twice as likely to get this, right? But there's yeah. something interesting also came out too, just kind of going off on a quick tangent with the statistics. Uh, football players are oh, eight yeah. times as likely to develop Alzheimer's, right? So I definitely encourage anyone who is sports active, any of that, they should even go, you know, much sooner Right. Don't wait for those bumps and bruises in the head. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You figure by the time you become a professional player, you already been pay paying for what, 15 years. Yep. Right. Since you were a child. I digress from that as far as um, 
you know, just making sure that people do go annually to get a neurological evaluation. And it's very simple. It's non-invasive. It's not like they're putting something over your head, yeah. you know, they're trying to feed it. It's none of that. It is some basic questions that, you know, just give you a baseline of where you are mentally. And that's what you want so that when you go and get another evaluation, you can start to compare them, right? Where are my strengths? Where are my challenges? Where can I, do I have room for improvement? What do I need to change? It's the same thing when you get a physical examination, right? You're going in there. That, the doctor doesn't just look at you and go, okay, your, 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 uh, your, blood, your blood pressure is. No, right? You have to check it. Yeah, exactly. You got to check that. And then when you go back the next year, if you know the numbers are off, if it's a little higher, okay, maybe adjust your salt intake, you know, start exercising a lot more. Whatever it is that you need to adjust, you find that out when you go and get those evaluations, when you get checked up. So yes, I even went and got a neurological evaluation. I won't share um, my results because it will, I will release that on the documentary. But it's definitely something I encourage people to do. Yes, she was like, I don't think so. But how do we also stop this from attacking us then? Right. You don't want to. I think during that conversation, I was somewhere in the middle, right? You know, I'm like, <laughs> there, there are days, you know, you're adamant about, yes, you need to go and get it. Other young ladies, like, yeah, I don't think so. Me, I'm like, it just depends on the day, right? Because here's the thing. When you are caring for someone who has Alzheimer's, um, especially when they start to progress and they get to some of the later stages, that's a lot. It, it's a whole lot. I, I can't explain in words all the time the pressure sometimes that comes along with just watching it. You know, there are sometimes, and I don't have many moments, I, I wouldn't dare make anybody think that I am just up on the mountain with this thing every single day. I try to be right. Um, and I will be honest. I don't have many down days. That's, that's the truth. And, and I, I place that on my faith. I place that on the fact that, you know, I, I do pray. I do read my Bible. I do work. And so all of those things are what helps me to maintain my sanity, my spiritual life, number one. And so I really don't have many down days. Does that mean that things don't come and they don't become pressure sometimes? No. But then you have to be able to take that. You know, I tell even my closest friends and my children, I give you 24 hours. Everybody gets 24 hours to feel however, because life happens to all of us. But after those 24 hours, all right, you got to strap your bootstraps up, you know, and, and let's go on because life has to keep going. And so, you know, I do find my strength. The, the, there's a verse in the Bible that says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hmm. And so that is where I find my strength. And so when I get to those places, I'm making sure that I get to where I can find my joy. But I do have days where it's like, man, this is, whoo, this is a lot because I have a very photogenic memory. And so when something happens and I see it, it just plays over and over. And so then I have to find a way to bring my mind back to a place where I'm not over and over playing what I've seen. Because as I often tell people, it's it's different when this is your mom. 
this, this is not just somebody you just walk in and you're taken care of, but right. this is the person that gave you life. And you're watching them gradually lose who they were, who they were to you and who they were as a person. It doesn't change the fact that they are a person. And that's the thing. It's a whole different podcast that I'm going to talk about because they're still people, right? You know, the only difference between somebody with Alzheimer's and dementia is the fact that they have a brain disease. No different from anybody with cancer. They're, they're still people. And so just because they can't remember who you are doesn't mean that it's okay for you to forget who they are. That's a right. whole different episode. But, you know, um, I, I do think that it's important. There are some days when I'm like, yeah, you know, I think there are days when I want to know because I'm like, I question sometimes, honestly, I question sometimes whether or not I would want my children to have to take care of me in this state. It's Not a battle either. sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And right. so it's those moments where you're like, mm, yeah, I, I would want to know. And then there's other moments where it's like, you're looking at this thing and you're like, man, I don't know if I would want to know. But then when <laughs> you have that genetic component, I think it's important. You know, when you're talking about your family, where you're talking about aunts and grandparents and, you know, there's a genetic factor, possibly. When I look at my family and I'm talking about grand, my, my mom's dad, her mom, siblings, uh, all of them except one that's living. All of my mom's siblings except one has it right now. Well, two um, has it right now. She had two sisters within the last two years that passed away. Two mm -hmm. brothers right now that have it. And so, yeah, there's a genetic factor, right? And so um, that's that question. But, you know, I think I, you know, I, it makes sense, you know, to get that checkup from the neck up. Um, whether or not I want them to give me the results right then, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I'll say this about about what you just said, because I do. I definitely agree with you. And for a long time, I was on the fence. Right. But what I'm realizing is that people don't want to take care of a problem until it's pronounced. Right. That's so true. you start sneezing. Right. And you coughing and now you stuffy and it cut to, you know, a couple more days go by. And now you go to the doctor and it's pronounced that you have the flu. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. OK, let, now let me start treating it as opposed to when you were sneezing, when you were coughing, when you were a little congested, you could have, you know, reduced all of that had you have gone to the doctor or recognized yourself that this is snowballing into a problem. And then it wouldn't even be the flu anymore. It would have just been a little something that you were able to get rid of. And I don't have the alphabets behind my name, right? But I definitely have experience and I've done enough research to where if I needed to get in contact with any type of neuro, you know, neurologist in regards to Alzheimer's, I can do that at my fingertips and right. they are a blessing to me. And I'm saying this so adamant because when I do my research about this and I'm like, okay, wait a second, why am I going to wait until I have the flu? Now I need everybody to come and bring me some soup, bring right. me some mess or whatever it is when I could have slowed this down or reduced the risk factors. So when you go and get a neurological evaluation, they're not saying, you know what, Miss Foster, you have Alzheimer's. Yeah. It's not that. It's to see where you are mentally to get you ahead of Alzheimer's, right? Because again, once you had it 15, 20 years prior, it looks like stress. It looks like depression. 
It looks like anxiety. But if you are not treating those things, you're placing yourself on an Alzheimer's track. And you're not exercising. You're not eating right. You're not going to sleep. You're not reading. You're not doing anything to exercise. Neuroplasticity in your brain. You are snowballing into the flu. Right. When you could have done something about this prior. So, yes, I'm very adamant about it. So you can see where you are mentally. They may just say, you know what, you are severely depressed. OK, that's a real thing that you can start to modify. Right. Writing down what you're grateful for. Listening to meditation, music, going for a walk, changing your diet. Those are things that you can afford to change. Yep. By the time you get Alzheimer's, we're looking at a billion dollars on yep. a trillion dollar track for your care. No, I don't want my daughter to take care of me. Now, God forbid it happens. Yes, I would want my daughter because I know that she will be well trained, right? She didn't start. She And I say this about her real quick. She not new to this. She been doing this. And so she true before, to it. Right. She true to it. Before my grandfather was diagnosed and we started traveling back and forth, she was actually helping my mom. So she might have been like four or five and she would spend the summers in San Francisco with my mom. And my mom was caring for her mom, okay. right? my grandmother, who was also battling Alzheimer's. So my daughter would be there and caregiving looks differently. Right. For her at four or five, she was the companion, right? She mm -hmm. was the, the, the play person. She would take her little stuffed animals and play with her, or she would comb her hair, or she would flip the magazine for her. Cause you know, by the time she started getting involved, my grandmother was in her final stages. Um, but she is aware of Alzheimer's just beyond yeah. my grandfather. You know, she was much younger. So even with kids. You know, having a neurological evaluation on kids, right? Because kids stress, depression. And mm -hmm. I feel like unresolved childhood issues snowball into unresolved adult problems. And it just keeps it just keeps growing and growing. At what point do we try to prevent and derail and reduce? We don't. We just gonna keep on coughing. Yeah. Well, I will say this. You definitely put it into perspective. Definitely put it into perspective for me and I'm sure for a lot of my listeners. And so, you know, hey, I, I'm I'm ready now to go and get me a neuro check because you're right. You know, it, why wait until it becomes so much more than it has to be before you take care? We talk about early onset, right? Mm -hmm. Even even knowing, you know, you can do so much more preventative measures uh, up front. There are some things that you can do in the early stages that once it gets beyond a certain point, it doesn't matter. You know, you can do certain things, but you've already gone beyond that point where you could have changed some things. And so, you know, you brought it into perspective for me. You know, now I'm not really on the fence with it anymore. It makes sense. You're right, you know, um, to be able to go and get that done. And so I am totally thankful. I wish we can continue on. I'll have you back on. Know that we'll be doing some more conversations, but I do want you all to go to Amazon and you can also uh, follow Ashanti on her social platform. So follow her on Facebook. If you go to Facebook at puzzled, P-U-Z-Z-L-E-D 2020, and that is the words 2020. So 2020 puzzle 2020 on Facebook and then on Instagram you can follow her at puzzled 2020 
Check out our website as well at www.puzzled2020.com. That's puzzle and then the number 2020.com. You can also find her website link on my uh, website, which is www.priscillajjeanlouis.com. You can find her on there as well. Uh, she's under the resources under self-care because this is a matter of self-care for us to be able to write it down. I think this is absolutely awesome. You can get the uh, bank, the, the I am grateful for bank as well as the journal. Good way to go ahead and get started and to, you know, exercise your brain, change your attitude. Gratitude is attitude. Even if you are a caregiver, you're out there, if you're going through caregiver stress, because it's real, it is very real. I would uh, also, you know, uh, push you as well. Go out there on Amazon. You can find it. Puzzled 2020 Gratitude Journal. Go out there, get you a journal, get you a, um, a, a bank. And uh, start to just jot down what you're grateful for. Support her. Now, Ashanti, one last thing. When is the um, documentary coming out? So the pandemic definitely slowed the process down. And we are, but we're looking to head into post-production this summer. And the goal is to release the documentary in November, which is officially Alzheimer's Awareness Month. And yes, it's the holidays, families are together. Yes. So, you know, I'm I'm looking, really looking forward to this because I know that this is definitely going to be different from anything that's out there because, you know, we added a little flavor to it. Right? I love it. <laughs> and hey, I'm going to have you on long before then, but we're going to talk about the documentary. We want to be able to support that, get that information out there. Ashanti and her daughter are advocates as well. I love it because um, mother-daughter teams are the best teams when it comes down because you have our generation as well as that younger generation who's out there advocating for Alzheimer's awareness, helping to make people aware of what Alzheimer's look like. So again, I want to thank you for this time. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the podcast. And as always, before I leave, um, I'm always going to give a shout out to the Alzheimer's Association. So those of you who are caregivers for someone with Alzheimer's, we want to remind you that the Alzheimer's Association does have a 24-7 hotline. If you are experiencing any type of caregiver stress uh, with the loved one that you're caring for, you know, it's overwhelming, please give them a call, 800-272-3900. There are persons, live persons there that are out there willing to listen to you, help you, give you direction, resources, what have you. Please take advantage of that. Again, go ahead, follow Asante, Facebook, Puzzled 2020, Instagram, Puzzled 2020, and then check out her website, www.puzzled2020.com. You can go on Amazon. I believe you can go through her website as well and purchase some of these um, uh, these wonderful uh, materials as well that will definitely help you. The Gratitude Bank, um, nothing like it. And listen to the music as you're writing. So thank you again for listening to today's episode. Catch us again next week. We got a special one coming up next week. As I said earlier in the podcast, next week will be one year 
since my grandmother passed away. And so catch our episode next week where we are going to talk about love one, love one. So tune in next week to the podcast. Until then, you all be blessed. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the My Favorite Girl Caregiver's Corner podcast. I'd also like to invite you to visit my website at www.priscillajjeanlouis.com. There you'll find more information about me and my journey with My Favorite Girl. There's also the resource spot where you'll find many resources to help you as you are on your journey. Hey, stay connected. And remember, no matter what, Keep going, keep pushing, keep loving, and by all means, keep caring.